Chapter 17 of In League with Israel by Annie Fellows Johnston. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Esther Ben Simonides. Chapter 17 Silent Keys. Once in a shadowy old cathedral, a young girl sat at the great organ, playing over and over a simple melody for a group of children who sang. They were rehearsing the parts they were to take in the Christmas choruses. It was not long before every voice had caught the sweet old tune of Joy to the World, and as their little feet pattered down the solemn aisles, the song was carried with them to the work and play of the streets outside. As the girl turned to follow, she found the old white-haired organist, a master musician, standing beside her. "'Why did you not strike all the keys, little sister?' he asked. "'You have left silence some of the sweetest and deepest.' Listen, this is what you should have put into your song. As he spoke, his powerful hands touched the keyboard, till the great cathedral seemed to tremble with the mighty symphony that filled it. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. High sweet notes, like the matin songs of skylarks, fluttered away from his touch and went winging their flight up and up beyond all mortal hearing. Down the deep, full chords and majestic octaves rolled the triumphal gladness. Every key seemed to find a voice as the hands of the old musician swept through the variations of Antioch. Tears filled the young girl's eyes, and when he had finished, she said sadly, Ah, only a master hand could do that. Bring out the varied tones of those silent keys, and yet through it all keep the thread of the song clear and unbroken. All those divine harmonies were in my soul as I played, yet had I tried to give expression to them, I might have wandered away from the simple motif that I would have the children remember always. In trying to span those fuller chords you strike so easily, or in reaching always for the highest notes, I would have failed to impress them with the part they had taken the courses, and they would have not gone out as they did next now, singing their joy to the world. Maybe some such master may turn the pages of the story, and feel the same impatience at its incompleteness. Here in this place he would have added with strong touches many convincing arguments. There he would have spoken with the voice of a sage or prophet, and he may turn away, saying, Why did you not strike all the keys, little sister? You have left silent some of the sweetest and deepest. The answer is the same. Only a master hand can sweep the gamut of history and human weaknesses and dogmas and creeds, touch the discordant elements of controversy and criticism in all their variations, and at the same time keep the simple theme constantly throbbing through them, so strong and full and clear it can never be forgotten. The purpose of the story is accomplished if it has only attracted the attention of the league to a neglected duty and struck a higher keynote of endeavor. But the league must not stop with that. There is only one song that will ever bring universal joy to this old tear-blinded world, and that is that the Lord is come, and that he is risen indeed in the lives of his followers. True, the various child may lisp it, but the league should not be content simply to do that. It should be the master musician, so familiar with the great complexity of human doubts and longings, that it will know just what chord to touch in every heart it is striving to help. Go back to the days of the dispersion, and follow this Ishmael through his almost limitless desert of persecution his hand against every man, because every man's hand lived against him. Put yourself in his place until your vision grows broad and your sympathy deep. Chaff against his limitations. Stumble over his obstacles, and in so doing, learn where best to place his stepping stones. Dig down through the strata of tradition, below all the manifold ceremonies of his formal worship, until you come to the bedrock of principle underlying them. When you have thus studied Judaism, its prophets, its priesthood, its patriots, when you have traced its sinuous path from Abraham's tent to the temple gate, and then followed its diverging line, 
on into almost every hamlet of both hemispheres, you will have learned something more than the history of Judaism. You will have read the story of the whole race of Adam, and you will have fitted yourself far better to serve humanity. Christ reached his hearers through his intimate knowledge of them. He never talked to shepherds of fishing nets, nor to vinedressers of flocks. He gave the same water of life to the woman at Jacob's well that he bestowed on the ruler who came to him by night. Yet how differently he presented it to the ignorant Samaritan and learned Nicodemus. To this end, then, study these creeds and systems, for instance, the unity of God, clung to alike by the Hebrew persistently reiterating his command, and the Muslim crying, God is God, and Muhammad is his prophet. Follow this belief in the unity as it goes deeply channeling its way through centuries of Semitic thought until it enters the very life breadth. You can trace its influence even down into the early Christian church and the hot disputes of Arius and his followers at the Council of Nicaea. Not until you comprehend how idolatrous the worship of the Trinity seems to a Jew, and you understand what a stumbling block lies between him and the acceptance of his Messiah, you will find this study of Judaism reaching out like a banyan tree, striking root and branching again, and again in so many different places, that it seems that it must certainly, by one of its manifold ramifications, shadow ever a great problem and people. In the first conception of this story, it was proposed to place considerable emphasis on a number of things that have been left untouched, especially the colonization scheme of the philanthropic barons Hirsch and de Rothschild, and the prophecies concerning the return of the Jews to Palestine. But prophecy, while always the most interesting and profitable subject for research and study, leads into an unmapped country of speculation. Many enthusiasts, not recognizing that on God's great calendar a thousand years are as but a day, has attempted to solve the mysteries of Revelation by the same numerical system with which he calculates his assets and liabilities. As we examine this subject, we must not forget the vast difference between our finite yardstick and the reed of the angels who measured the cities. God grant that, as the tree thrown into the stream of Mara changed its bitter waters into wholesome life-giving sweetness, so this study of Israel, earnestly and honestly pursued, may turn all bitterness of prejudice into the broad, sweet spirit of true brotherhood. End of chapter 17. Recording by Esther Ben Simonides. End of In League with Israel by Annie Fellows Johnston.